Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated specifically to help you create a life that is full of purpose, prosperity, and joy, one you love. And today I'm blessed, really blessed, with a special guest, Harvey Laguerre. Did I say that right, Harvey? Perfectly. Perfectly. Well done. Yay for me. When you got a name like <laughs> Kellen Flukiger, you sort of keep track of that stuff, right? <laughs> yes, All right. Well, anyway, Harvey's a wonderful man. I had a chance to be on his podcast, Men Are the Prize. And if you haven't heard that episode, you should go back and listen to that, Men Are the Prize. And we talked about those topics. And I was so excited about him. I wanted him on our show to talk about the ultimate life. What's the most exciting thing that's happened to you in the last few days, Harvey? This will be an interesting response. The most exciting thing that's happened to me is that I was able to send my wife on a vacation. My wife works very hard. She helps a lot of people. She's pretty much the backbone of this family. And I said, go, go hang out with some girls, go get a week off and recharge. And it made me feel good to be able to know my wife could go and go relax. I take care of the kids. I got the house, go do something so that she can I like seeing my family. I like seeing my wife in better spirits. And I think it was time for her to do it. So that's the most exciting thing that happened to me by extension uh, to my wife. I love that. And here's why. You know, it's funny. It's serendipity. Everything always works out like it should. Just this morning, I got up at, you know, whatever o'clock and drove my wife to the airport. And she flew from Edmonton to Phoenix. Now, there's a little vacation in it. And, well, probably half and half. We have a... A, pre a U.S. presence. We live in Canada, but we're both dual national and we had lived in Phoenix for a number of years. So we have a post office box and a bank account and some other things. And we hadn't been down there since the pandemic. So for two and a half years and we got a note from the post office, kind of a grumpy note, uh, your post office box, blah, blah, blah. So we knew it was time to go. And she's gone this week to do that, to shop at a place she loves, my sister's closet, which is kind of a, a high end um secondhand store that she loves and there's they have a couple of outlets in the greater phoenix area and so anyway she gets to do that and clean up post box and do some other stuff for a few days so it's fun that you would say that i love that that you did that and congratulations so here's the topic your ultimate life and i define the ultimate life as a life of purpose prosperity and joy that you create by serving with your gifts that's just the definition I use. And I always love to ask my guests, what is your, how would you define the ultimate life for Harvey, not for anybody else? What is your ultimate life? My ultimate life is to be able to do whatever it is that makes me happy. What brings me joy? I'm 47. I'm turning 48 in 12 days. And I think I know what it is that brings me joy. I'm pretty close to 100% knowing what it is. And once I know exactly what it is, that's what I'm going to do. 
last few years, I've been taking care of everybody else. But doing this podcast and talking to men, I realize that I have to take care of myself. And to do so, I need to know what I love to do. And so what will bring me joy is helping other men. I really get a lot of joy out of talking to men, opening them up. And if I can make this something consistent where I feel like I'm helping, coaching men, making them realize just how important we are, it'll make me happy. And that's really, that's kind of my purpose, but it's definitely what would be the best life for me is helping other men. Helping other men. I love that. And I love the fact that it starts with helping. And I love the fact that it it ends with somebody like your target and you happen to have a choice. And one of the interesting things that I find at least is we all were given gifts of some kind or another. And clearly one of the many gifts that I'm sure you have, in addition to being handsome and a cool guy and fun to talk to and kind enough to, uh, to send your wife on vacation and worry about her health and a whole host of things I don't even know. You have a gift for helping and you choose of all the things you could do to have that be important. I'd like you to tell me a little more about that. What is it that makes you feel fulfilled, happy, yearning to be that helper? We'll talk about that. Um, It took me a while to discover that it's something that I like to do. And when I do the podcast, it's, you know, it's something I love. And through the conversations that I've had with men, one thing I discovered is that a lot of us men in whatever career job that we end up having when we become grown men, adults, in a lot of cases, we become what we didn't have growing up. A lot of men didn't have a person to talk to, didn't have a parent who was present, might have been abused, may have some bad things happen to them. So they want to become the person that they needed when they were growing up. I didn't have, my childhood was okay, but I didn't have a person to talk to. I didn't have a dad to talk to, to talk about life. You know, I like this girl, I wanna make the football team. And I, so I kind of was closed off growing up and it really took me a while to kind of go through stages of being the child of divorce, of not having a good relationship with the family to realize that I didn't talk a lot about, I talked about things, but I didn't talk about profound, important things. And that's what was holding me back. And once I realized that that's what I needed to do and how much it helped me when I could talk to other people about what's been going on in my head, in my heart, in my soul, I realized how much it helped, how much, how good it felt. And I'm like, I want other, I want other men to feel that too. I want other men to like, to understand that they're not alone in whatever they're going through in this life that this is a struggle that everyone goes through in some form or another and i wanted to let men know that most of the issues that we men have can be resolved by simply listening to another man talk about it and that's really what it was once i was able to talk have somebody listen i'm like i need to be that guy who listens and that's when i realized that's what i wanted to do I, I'm just, I'm delighted. I'm grateful for the good that you're doing. I, I want you to, you know, there's a couple of reasons. There's probably more than a couple, but several reasons we don't talk. There's a myth that we're not supposed to. We're supposed to do everything ourselves. There's a myth about, you know, some kind of str- strength associated with silence, the strong, silent, some other crap. And we all get infected with that. 
sometimes there's uh, circumstantial things, not having someone around, not knowing how to go cultivate another relationship, not being encouraged to because maybe the person that could encourage you doesn't understand that they need to even. And so it doesn't go do that. It may be too busy if, if you got a single parent situation trying to provide. So I want you to talk more deeply about what is the unburdening what is the freedom found in that vulnerability of talking about not the head stuff, but the heart stuff and the soul stuff? Talk about that freedom, vulnerability. I think it really comes into knowing yourself until I can just lay it either at my feet or at the feet of somebody else, whatever I'm holding on to, the weight that is on my shoulders, on my heart, until I can let it go. I don't really know me because I feel like all that stress, all that trauma is kind of blocking that real, real me from coming out. So the importance of it, what's so good is that I'm kind of playing a part. I'm I'm this actor walking around in this world. It's not really Harvey. It's Harvey with my cape and my cape is a crap that I'm going through and I need to get it off. And when I can finally not be Superman, but be Clark Kent, then I can really be myself. And when I really am myself, I'm a cool guy. I am a hell of a person to talk to, to have a relationship with, to confide in, to be safe with, to be the child of, to be the spouse of. When I know me, I know who I am and I can show other people. So it allows me to really know me, to know that I'm not perfect, but I'm really good in some cases and I can improve in some cases. To know me in every way, to be comfortable in everything that I am, my flaws, my greatness, my ability to speak, my ability to listen, my ability to discipline my child, and my ability to romance my wife, all these things. When I am, when I know me, when I'm good, then I'm good for everybody else. I'm even better for everybody else. I want the listeners, I'd love for you to listen to that little um, speech that Harvey just gave two or three times, because a couple of things were really evident to me. One is his own excitement about that. And two, his willingness to say, you know, I'm good. I'm great in some cases and to own that truth. And so much of this poison of isolation comes from, I think at least, comes from a need to prove something to whoever, the, the society, somebody else, the, the they out there. We never get the signals, and so we never think we're there. And your ability here to say, I'm good, I'm a good man, I'm a good dad, I do this, not perfect, got stuff to work on, whatever, but I am good and I am trying to do good. That is a real liberating thing. So I wanna thank you for that. No problem at all, thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I've I got, got it, <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I am too, because I want you to say it. We don't believe it. We live in this feeling of I'll be happy when, I'll be good enough when, I'll be okay when, the bank account says this, the house looks like this, this and that's fixed, my kid stops being whatever they're being, like it's my fault, and all of that stuff. And so we carry around that rock until we don't, and there aren't very many places to help us unburden. So I need to ask you another question now. Um, we could talk for a long time about that, but I want to cover some more topics. And one of them is this. 
this podcast, The Ultimate Life, uh, and many, many other podcasts and internet products and coaches and, you know, talk about, you know, live into your gifts and do what you love and the money will follow and all of those kinds of things. And sometimes, you know, so it feels like, yeah, 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 that's all good and it's all baloney. I want to ask you, do you, Harvey, think it's possible to live on a daily basis, that life, that ultimate life of purpose, prosperity, and joy, or is that all just hype? Oh, no. In all honesty, if I didn't believe that, what what real point is there to living? If I thought that I couldn't ascend to living the life I want, it's really hard to want to wake up and walk around these days. You gotta, you gotta expect something. You gotta want something better. I definitely want to live a purposeful life. I want prosperity. I want joy. I want everybody else around me to have it. So it's definitely possible. It's it, it's important. It's necessary. We have to reach for it. So definitely. Okay, good. So it's possible. And I'm going to ask a, a more nuanced version of that and maybe harder and maybe not. Is there any reason you can't live that today? Or is that something we're going to get to eventually? I ask that because one of the things I teach in my coaching program and help people try to grip and understand is you can have it now. It's not, I'll be happy when. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be done. You have to be striving and you have to choose to enjoy where you are. And I just wondered if you have a sense of, I can have it right here, right now, or it'll be someday. Good question. I think what it, what you, you, at least to me, what you're really asking or what you're really getting to is what it is. Mm -hmm. To me, what, what is that first of all? Why am I happy? What is my purpose? And is it one thing or is it something different every day? So for me, I'm living that life today. Why? Because I feel really good about myself and I feel good about myself because I'm a genuinely good person. But I also feel good because the world around me knows it. How do they know it? I have children and my children are my agents into the world. I send out really respectful, honest, good people. And I know by extension, I'm good. And so are they because of who their father is. I'm good because of the people I help. Those men who struggle. And then after we talk and we work and we're better. So those are my agents also. I, it for me today is for me to feel happy because I'm only going to see my kids, no, you know, no customers or anything like that. So I, it today is me being happy, healthy, wise. Tomorrow it'll be to be a good person when I go to that parent teacher conference. Wednesday, when I, you know, when I make dinner for my kids. Thursday, when I pick up my wife from the airport. To be that, to be living that life every day kind of means, at least to me, to re redefine what it means every day. And it doesn't have to be something massive. It can just be something simple. And every day, if you do it, then every day you live in that life. So it can be done and I'm doing it. I love it. And I love the I'm doing it because it's one thing to pontificate about, well, you can do it like it's over that thing over there. And I'm sure we can all have it. And it's another one to simply boldly say, I am living that life of joy. Every day, there was a funny story when my wife and I 
uh, right before the pandemic started in the end of 2019 in November, we were in Poland in um, Warsaw or in Krakow, I think, before Warsaw. There was a conference in Warsaw. That's why I was there. But anyway, we went early so we could spend some time. We're in Krakow, and that's this old, old, old city, and there's a castle up there, and it has a legend about a dragon and all this fun stuff. But anyway, we're going down the main shopping street, like all cities have, you know, where the, all these shops are, and they're all these expensive, this, that, and the other. And uh, we went into one store that was this Italian leather store, and, of course, everything was ridiculously expensive, and it was fun to go just look like you go look at everything. Right. And I saw this bag, this shoulder bag, kind of a briefcase only had a shoulder strap too. And I thought, Oh, you know, I have one, I don't need anything, but it was pretty and it was nice. And I thought, Ooh, maybe I should buy that. And I talked to my wife and I wasn't going to, and then we decided to whatever. Anyway, so we decided to buy this bag and they do what they do in high-end stores. They put it in a bag and then the guy comes around the counter and, you know, hands it to you in this sort of ceremonial handoff to, to make you feel good about spending too much money on this thing. And it was beautiful and I get compliments on it all the time. But the point of that was on the bag was written the store or the brand motto and it said, joy is a choice. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, this is fun to buy this thing and it costs too much and whatever, but that isn't the source of joy. Joy is a choice. And that just is what you're saying. It's a choice to find joy in making a meal. It's a choice to find joy in serving your wife. It's a choice to find joy for no reason. There's a book called Happy, Happy for No Reason. It is understanding we are built to have happiness and we have to undo that. And so, and that's also funny that my wife's name is Joy, right? Okay. Anyway, so that's made me think. I agree with you 100%. And I just had to tell that little story about the bag because it was so funny and had that joy as a choice on that bag. I like that. I like that. So I have the next question. The next question is this. So you're 47, I think you said, or will be in 15 minutes. And that's what it seems like. I'm 66 and it feels like years go by like, what? That was yesterday. It was last year. Anyway, you don't get, I mean, we're born as infants, carefree. We're fully dependent on somebody. And along the way, we get all these weird things beat into us or beat out of us or whatever it is by situations. And sometimes actually, and sometimes only emotionally and school and society and competition and neighborhoods and parental situations and et cetera. So we lose it. And all, I've, no, I've never met anybody that hasn't had to go through some kind of purging, cleansing, learning, dark night of the soul, struggles. Sometimes it's in the form of relationships or addictions or pain or something that presents us the opportunity to wake up. So since you didn't fall up the mountain, talk a little bit about the hike. I love how you describe that. That's well, I'm stealing that, by the way. Um, what, <laughs> for me, about that's a little less than eight years ago, I was 39. It was October and I'm married. I've got two, got three kids and one is on the way. My wife is pregnant, but she's on bed rest. And Obviously, I've been taking care of her, been running around, been real active, and my birthday's coming up. And she's like, you should do something. You've been running around taking care of us. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, you know what? I want to do something. I'm going to you know, I'm gonna schedule something. I'm going to get the guys together. We're going to go paintballing for the day. I want to run around active, have some fun, do something. 
So we're doing that. Now, as the weeks have been passing, obviously I'm doing so much. I actually work, but then I'm coming home to check on my wife, to check on the three kids, two of which are coming home to do homework and do life and whatever. And I'm starting to feel tired. Um, I'm fatigued, but I'm a guy. That's life. I'm dealing with it. It's just, you know, I rubbed some dirt on it and I kept going about my business. Um, one morning I woke up early to get to go to go to work. I showered. I came out of the bathroom and I collapsed. Um, and my wife, who's not even supposed to be moving around, had to get out of bed, get me up. And she's not supposed to be doing anything. She had to get me into the car and drive me to the emergency room. I found that I was a diabetic that day. My blood sugar was over 500. I was in real danger of organ failure. I was in bad shape. And that is one big, that's the second big moment for me. But at that moment, I realized, Harvey, you have to start taking care of yourself. We men are brought up to provide. That's it. I work to take care. So my wife has this, has this, the kids have the video game, the nice phone, the house is nice. The lawn is mowed. The insurance is set, all this stuff, but never in that list of, of who you provide for. Are you on that list? It's everybody else. And that moment was like, you got to go back into the gym. You got to get in shape. You have to eat better. If not even for yourself, then for your wife and the three kids and the fourth one that is on the way, you have to take care of yourself. That was a super big moment for me. So I'm in the hospital. I spent the first two days in ICU. They wouldn't let me eat. I could be, I could only have ice chips. They didn't know what was going on. Finally, they would figure out how to get my blood sugar normalized now. So now I leave the hospital after eight, eight days. I come home and life is entirely different. Entirely different. What are you doing with yourself, Arvin? What are you doing? They're going to be fine, but they're worried about you. And if they're worried about you, then they're not really good. So I had to take care of myself. That was me going up the hill. That was me going up Mount Everest. And... From then on in, all right, I love you, wifey. I love you, kids. I'm going to the gym. I'll be back. I'm going to go write something. I'll be back. I don't know. I'm going to go do something. I'll be back. I have to start taking care of me. And from then on in, I've been a better everything. Man, husband, father, friend, confidant. I've been a safe space. I'm better in everything. And that was because I was, I fell hard. Something slapped me in the face and said, what, what you doing? Got up and I've been better ever since. And from then on, it got me to this, to this place now where I'm looking to help other people. But that was, that was like, I've had two big moments that did that to me. And that was the more recent of them and a little less than nine years ago. So see in that nine years, like you've added a whole bunch of stuff that you weren't doing before. Before it was only the focus on everybody else. And, you know, that's one version of the story. Some people have that focus on making the world happy or trying to prove something or make a certain amount of money. And they do the same thing. They don't connect. In your case, it was body. Some people it's body and spirit. Some people they neglect their own 
relationship with the divine, but in whatever the reason is, they come and they bash into something. And for you, that it, it was this health challenge. Was there any guilt or pull for you to, after you got the main thing under control, to sort of slide back in ways of, well, I don't want to focus too much on me? Or were you able to just sort of take that experience and restructure your life? Um. I have my moments where I kind of fall into that pattern of taking care of everybody else. And I, and, and I kind of throw myself to the wayside, which I'm sure at some point we all do. And it's, it's good to have people around you to remind you, listen, this, you used to do this for yourself and you kind of stopped. Maybe something happened, a situation occurred where you stepped away from it for a minute and you just stayed away when you were supposed to go back. And I'm lucky where I have a wife who was like, listen, um, I remember what happened to you before and you might be going back in that direction, go back to what you were doing. So I'm lucky in that I'm surrounded by people who wouldn't let me go too far, of course. So it, cause it's easier to just take care of everybody else. It's, it, it's I think it's easier to not think about yourself, at least back then. It's easier just, okay, my son, you know, he wants to play this. He's a Boy Scout. Let me go take him to Boy Scout. I was supposed to work out, but I'll do that, even though my wife could have done it. But let me do it. I'll do this time. My younger daughter, she wants to play, but I was supposed to go work out or take a walk or have this meeting and talk to somebody to probably get something going on. I'll do that another time. Let me do this. And when you replace things, when you take the things that help you replace them with things that help other people, it doesn't feel as bad. It doesn't feel like you're doing something wrong. But you have to remember not taking care of yourself is wrong for whatever reason you don't. And so I have to be reminded occasionally that doesn't really happen anymore. I've really kind of refocused. But occasionally I had to get, hey, hey, hey go. I got the kids. They're playing. We're going to have a girl's day or something. The gym's calling your name. Get out of here type of thing. So the the desire occasionally to not take care of myself is there. But even if I didn't, even if I stopped, I don't think the people around me would allow it. I'm I have the benefit of people who love me and demand that I take care of myself. That's a it's a huge blessing, and I want to uh, do one more piece uh, that ha- that is uh, at least a problem for many, and that is the idea of selfishness and selflessness. We at least I hear a lot. Well, I'm supposed to this, and they live in the idea of obligation. I'm supposed to this, now I got to do that, and they carry a big burden of obligations. So I'm going to mix two things here. One is there's this issue of selfishness. Well, if I spend too much time on myself, it's selfish, and I'm okay if I do stuff for other people, which is what you kind of alluded to. And the other is people sometimes also create the notion that there's well i have all these obligations and the word obligation to me doesn't taste very good and the reason that it doesn't is because uh if i if i have to do this i've got an obligation it feels like there's some kind of resentment in there i'd rather be doing something else instead but i'm obligated oh i gotta and the gotta have to you know those words are in there so I'd like you to address two things, because how I solve that is I just clear my calendar. And I have no obligations. I have lots of commitments, but I have zero obligations. I have none at all. 
I have a lot of stuff. My calendar's packed. If you saw it, you'd think I was crazy. But I've chosen to love, because joy is a choice, every single thing on the calendar. So I want you to talk about the idea of selfishness versus self-love, which is what's really happening when you care for yourself at an extraordinary level, physically and spiritually, so that you're all of Harvey every time you touch your kids or your wife or your clients. And then I also want you to talk about this idea of allowing the things that you wanted to do to degrade into the level of an obligation. I like that. Um, it's, it's good. I don't believe I have really any obligations or if I do, I don't let them become them. I agree with you with the term. It doesn't feel good. It feels like it's something I'm being forced to do something that's being thrust upon me. And there's nothing in my life that's being thrust upon me. Everything that I do, is a choice of mine and everything I'm going to do is going to make me happy in some way, whether it is for myself or to see someone else happy. So I don't have obligations. I have things that I have to do. I'm a stay at home dad of four. There's stuff that must be done, but even those things make me happy. And to a degree, even though I really preach the idea of taking care of yourself and thinking about yourself, I get a real selfish joy out of seeing my people, my kids accomplish, of seeing my wife accomplish things, writing her book, helping other patients, doing what she does. I do what I do because it helps them, but it really brings me joy. It makes me happy to see success of my circle, my inner circle doing well. I'm thrilled with it. And maybe that's just bad. I just love it. My wife is killing it. She's working. She's on vacation. She's drinking her eighth shot of tequila because she can. I'm super happy about that. My kid's going to win that spelling bee. I'm super happy about that. I do things probably for selfish reasons. And seeing everybody else succeed is good. In terms of me, if I go and I just go see a movie by myself, it's because I love movies. I'm a movie. I'm a, um, I'm a cinema file. I love movies. I'll watch anything. And I do that for me. My wife doesn't like movies. So that's going to be not as much as I do. So that's for me. That's self-love. That's me going to do something I appreciate. But the majority of the stuff that I do allows me, in my mind, to take time to love myself because I can appreciate it and take care of myself and enjoy my hobbies because I feel like everybody else is taken care of. So my family and me, we're like one and one A. When we're aligned, they're happy, I'm happy. So selfishly, my people are taken care of. So selfishly, I can take care of me. And when I take care of me, it shows how much I love myself. And I will continue to do that to make sure that, you know, I'm content. And I pull my mask down to help myself so I can help my people around me. I love it. And I, I, I want to really thank you. You've given a very, very interesting perspective, some beautiful advice. And I want to ask you finally, as we wrap up, someone's going to want to hear more or find more about yourself. Tell them where to find your podcast and any other thing that you want them to, to know about how to follow or find what you're doing. All right. I appreciate it. By the way, thank you for having me on. I so appreciate it. Um, if you want to hear me, there's a few ways. Um, I started a podcast with my wife a few years ago called Love is Black. It is me and my wife just talking about relationships and the stuff we went through, ups and downs and, then you know, relationships and all that stuff. So if you want to hear me with my wife talking about life, Love is Black, the podcast, available everywhere. 
from then on, I spun that off because I decided I really wanted to help men. So my podcast, the one I do in my own, called Men Are the Prize. Prize is the key word. Each letter represents a different um, aesthetic, a different thing, a different part of men. When we follow these letters, and we, which is purpose, resilience, zeal, expectation, when we take those words and we use them in our lives, we're better men for it. That's what the podcast is. Um, you can find me. I'm on social media. I'm trying to get better with it. It's not really my cup of tea, but I'm working on it. That's the thing I want to improve. But you can find me on on Facebook, Harvey Laguerre, or the podcast, Men of the Prize, or the other podcast, Love is Black. You can find me on Instagram, Men of the Prize. You can find me on Twitter, Men Zealous, because I would love the word zeal. Um, um, I'm even on LinkedIn under my name, Harvey Laguerre. I'm kind of all over the place. You type my name in, you will find me. And finally, if you as a man are looking to kind of find your purpose, to become the prize that you know you can be and you're just not sure how to get there, that's what I'm here for. I have Men of the Prize coaching. If you want to talk to me, you want to have, we'll start maybe a half hour and we just discuss what your goals are, what you want to do. I'm here to coach. You can you can go to Men of the Prize podcast email and go from there, or you can reach out to me on any of the social media spots. But otherwise, my name will bring me up and I am everywhere to be found. Thank you. I want to be, uh, not I want to be, I am very grateful and express gratitude for your time, for your wisdom, and for the joy and happiness you obviously bring to both your life, your desire to help. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, sir. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So I want to encourage all of you listeners, take the time to listen to this a couple of times. I have these guests because they all come from different places and have gone through different things. And the hike up the mountain was different for all of them. But if you want to, you can see yourself in one or more of these and you can find the tools, find the courage and get the help you need to create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand